This week on Grape Encounters Radio. Profile this wine. Oh, it's Mountain Man. It's got Mountain Man. It's all a Mountain over Man. It. It's got all kinds of crusty character. It's got a beard and it uh, wears flannel and it probably carries a gun. And <laughs> are, are we talking shotgun or just a pistol? Peel me a grape, crush me some ice, skin me a peach, save the fuzz for my pillow. All right, it's time for your weekly grape encounter. Going to do something completely different this week. We're going to actually get into a topic that, gosh, I don't think I've talked about in maybe five or six years. And it's long overdue for those of you who are new listeners to Grape Encounters Radio. We definitely got to go down this road. And it is the language of wine, how we describe wine, the metaphors we use. And our biggest goal today will be to try to understand why we are so compelled to talk about wine the way that we do. And I am so pleased to have in the studio somebody, if you are a member of the Grape Encounters group page on Facebook or any of our other Facebook presences, then you probably are familiar with the name Stephen McConnell. He is my favorite wine blogger. And he is also somebody that comes into our Grape Encounters Emporium on a regular basis. We love having him in because his language is probably more colorful than I think just about anybody out there, I love what he does, and you're going to love it too. Stephen McConnell, it's long overdue to have you in this studio. Thank you. How Thanks is it possible me. that you have been in the wine bar so many times and have not been in the studio? You never asked me. What? You never <laughs> asked me. Oh, all right. Well, we're probably <laughs> absorbed in other things. Anyway, we are, wine. we are in the studio, but we've brought part of the wine bar here today too. You notice I've got two wines here. Perfect. You have no idea what I'm up to, right? No, not a clue. <laughs> Okay. All right. So let's start with the wine blog. One of the most interesting things about your wine blog, you were named one of the five. What was the description again? It was a magazine in Singapore. Prestige Singapore made a list of five must follows on Instagram. Wine bloggers to follow on Instagram, five. And yes, I slid in there at number four. That's pretty good. And you know, it's funny because in Singapore, actually all over Asia, if we're obsessed with wine, they're obsessed with wine times 10. Oh man, I have so many, I have so much reach over there. They're, they're, they're crazy about wine over there. They're just nuts about it. And the language that you use, they love that. Do they get it? I don't know. And I don't drink that much Bordeaux. So, and that's about all they drink. So I, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I don't know. They, they seem to, uh, you know, I'll comment on stuff and they'll respond to me in English and, you know, it's, it's a nice dialogue. All right. So let's go back a little bit and talk about how this all began with you because you not only blog about about wine, you blog about food. And, you know, I have a local food show on the central coast of California, but I think you probably hit more restaurants than I do. Do you ever eat at home? I cook almost every night. Are you serious? Positive. Okay. Yes. Yes, so absolutely. how do you get to all the restaurants then? What's that, lunch? We, 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 yeah, lunch. I do a lot of lunches and uh, we, we go out and uh, we, we, we spend a fair amount of time out. We, we eat out probably at least once or twice a week. Yeah. Okay. All right. And 
so when you go out, are you looking for new discoveries? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No fun stuff. Always looking for something new, even if it's been there for, you know, a million years. Uh, we went to an Italian restaurant that's been here for 20 years the other day and, uh, we had never been there. Neither one of us and my girlfriend and I, and we, uh, we had a great time. It was interesting, you know, but it's something that hasn't been reviewed by any of the local food people for probably a decade. So that's always, that's a new discovery for us. All right. So take me back to the beginning. When did you decide you're going to write about this stuff or was it purely accidental? Oh, wow. Uh, I've been putting wine thoughts on paper for a really long time, but it was always very limited to just a close circle of friends, really four or five, maybe six people. You know, we'd share emails long before the internet back in the late 80s, 90s, and it developed. Obviously, everybody's on Facebook now. And so it turned into Facebook. And then uh, at some point a few years ago, somebody suggested, why don't you put this on a format that anybody could click on? So I did. I thought it was a really dumb idea at the time. I thought it was going <laughs> okay. to be a really, really small audience. And unfortunately, it has kind of exploded. Now, you don't really mean that, unfortunately. Well, it's you interesting. Love it. It's interesting. Uh, I, I love parts of it. I love parts of it. Um, unfortunately, when you get a really large audience, it used to be a really dorky audience. I mean, really serious wine snobs, wine dorks that got all the humor and all the inferences and everything and the abbreviations. And, you know, when you get a large audience, obviously with that comes a large percentage of people that are looking for a wine education. And I always just tell them, listen, this isn't wine 101. If you want wine 101, you're going to have to follow somebody else because I'm not going to educate that much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to expect you to, you know, if you don't know something about wine, I always just tell them, just sit and watch, sit and watch. Just don't say anything. Just sit and read it for a while and, and you'll get the hang of it. And uh, then you can comment. All right. So I've been covering wine now for eight years. I've been, uh, I hate the word aficionado, by the way. Do you hate that word? There's a lot of words I hate. And yeah. That's I, 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 there's, there's really, to me, not a single good word to describe those of us who just, you know, have a passion for wine and love it and have fun with it. You know, you start using words like aficionado or wine lover or enophile or, you know, whatever the case may be. None of them work for me. And blogger doesn't work for me, but unfortunately, it's right, 2016. Exactly. Blog sounds like something called. that's I, caught in your throat. But nonetheless, I've been around wine for a really long time. And I, I read some of the stuff that you write and you can craft a paragraph, Stephen, and waste an hour of my time with it because I'm sitting there trying to figure out what you mean. Now, like, for instance, here's a for instance on a 2010 Pinot Noir, and it reads like this. And by the way, I don't want to really disparage any wine, so I'm not sure I'm going to read the, tell you the name no of the brands, wine. No brands, no brands. Yeah, no brands, because we're not about that. But nonetheless, people can find your blog. And by the way, we are talking to Stephen McConnell, whose blog is Soif, S-O-I-F, French word for? Thirst. Thirst. Thirsty. Yeah. Okay. So you write about this particular Pinot. Brown, milky garnet with wide brown edges. Sounds like a Pinot. What does that mean? Wide brown edges. Obviously, there's a considerable amount of oxidation going on. I mean, garnet is not a horrible color for Pinot to be even in a perfect state. But uh, there's obviously uh, the, the, the color on something like that really tells you a lot the split second you put it in a glass. All right. So I love this. Fat and ripe. Well, it was ripe. <laughs> now it's flabby burnt rubber syrup. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Okay. B where does that come from? It comes from... That's not drug-induced, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. That just comes from winemakers probably trying for a style that's really easy to appreciate early on and to an uneducated palate. And it just doesn't hold up. That was a 2010. It's only five years old, six going into six years old. And um, it hasn't held up. It just didn't have the acidity. It didn't have the balance. And it just all of the all of the big, sweet, overripe fruit in it just turned it to crap. Okay, but I'm going to go back to the uh, flabby burnt rubber syrup. Like, f- first of all, uh, I'm picturing this, you know, sort of r- rubber sort of melting in 120 degree temperatures in Palm Springs. And, you know, it's gooey and gloppy. Uh, th- that to me isn't flabby, but I-, I guess maybe it is flabby if it's melting, if it can't hold up to the temperature. Yeah. And 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 the flabby part was m- more than not inserted just to give a little bit of reference to the original fruit. The original okay. fruit was flabby and now the whole thing has gone into this uh, kind of syrupy, pruney, yes, mess that smells like a broken rubber band. And the thing that I think probably throws people the most about people who write in metaphors and create colorful imagery for wine is that some things that might seem to be negative aren't necessarily negative at all. Oh, all the time. And especially with Pinot That's Noir. a big part of it. Especially with Pinot Noir. It's, 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 I get the most grief from people about my Pinot Noir reviews because uh, a lot of times people don't understand what constitutes really great Pinot Noir and Pinot Noir is just plain life in a bottle and there's so much going on and if you're not finding all of these wonderful earthy baseline barnyard vegetal things in your Pinot Noir, you're drinking the wrong Pinots, flat out. So when you open up a bottle of wine, you go on an expedition. I mean, you're looking for anything you can find. I mean, what's going on in your head? Do you go inside the bottle with your mind and do you look around? Are you peering around and and hunting for things? I mean, what? I mean, seriously, what is the process? What's going on in there? It's not much of a process. It really happens in just a split second. And you know, it's one of those things where you 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 smell a wine, and ninety nine percent of the review writes itself in the first smell. It really it does. It's just something that flashes across your brain. I'd like to say it was a lot more complicated than that, but sometimes, like any wine person, you have a hard time pinning down an exact smell. And sometimes I will just grab the first thing I think. And apparently that appeals to a lot of people because it's things that people have seen and smelled and heard and, and known uh, rather than a lot of words that, that sommiers will use. Okay. Well, I, I think you're trying to make it sound less complicated than it is. We're going to get into one or two of these reviews before the day's over. We're also going to drink some wine, Stephen. I got oh, them wrapped in brown paper. Blind tasting, my favorite. Just for fun, you know? I want people to see what goes on, to actually observe firsthand what happens when you take that first sniff and consume that first drop of wine. We're talking to Stephen McConnell. He is my absolute favorite wine blogger. And how fortunate am I that we live in basically adjacent communities? Well, you live, you know, 45 minutes away, but I get to spend more and more time with you. I really love that. And we're talking wine metaphors, the language, not the language of love, the language of wine today with Stephen McConnell. It's pure love. All right. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters and my very special and eloquent guest, Stephen McConnell, right after this. For Grape Encounters listeners who also enjoy our podcast, you probably have noticed that it's not been available on iTunes for the past few weeks. 
That's because iTunes has adopted more stringent policies that made it necessary for us to make a significant number of changes to our podcast feed. These changes took a lot more time than we had hoped, but we are very pleased to tell you that the work has been completed and all 350-plus past episodes are there for you to download and enjoy. We hope that you'll take the time to subscribe to our podcast, but also want to remind you that if you ever miss an episode on this station, you can find it at the beginning of the following week at GrapeEncounters.com, the online home of Grape Encounters Radio. There you'll find links to our online store, photos of the folks we interview, links to our favorite content, and a lot more. Grape Encounters is much more than a radio show. It's a lifestyle purely for the love of wine. Visit us at GrapeEncounters.com. Recently, I discovered a winery whose wines literally rock my world. I was so excited about them, I've relentlessly shared them with wine journalists, renowned sommeliers, and of course, wine enthusiasts. Well, it turns out I'm not the only one who thinks they're magical. They're from the beautiful Cardella Winery in Mendota, California, a tremendously fertile Central Valley location not known for fine wine production. Nonetheless, Cardella's remarkable Barbera, Sangiovese, Ruby Cabernet, and other varietals are absolutely world-class. Now, I take the endorsement of wines very seriously, and in seven years, I've endorsed less than five. Every single Cardella wine that I've tasted is a grand slam, home run, and ridiculously inexpensive. Cardella wines are available at their tasting room and online, provided they can be legally shipped to your state. So go to CardellaWinery.com, buy them, drink them, and share them. Big, fun, and chatty. This is Grape Encounters Radio. Here's David Wilson. Express yourself. Express yourself. Back with Grape Encounters Radio and Prestige Magazine in Singapore writes this about my guest. Love him or hate him, McConnell is proof that the flowery style of wine writing we're accustomed to is superficial and archaic. <laughs> He's sharp, sardonic, and playful, and easily more entertaining than Jeremy Clarkson and Simon Cowell combined. He's practically the Shakespeare of the wine blogging world. Oh, wow, Stephen. That's, that's, that the Shakespeare part is just completely over the top. Oh, well, I, the next I, I, part is not painful honest and with some creativity he writes tasting notes such as this baby 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 fruit like the beebs and of course it's got some color it's fresh young and floral desperately attempting some facial hair <laughs> and drives a hot rod but a little playboy fruit dense and jam-packed black pepper and bitter and has no chance against this spectrum no serious tannin just rich and wild and young all the way through and i bought that wine here at grape encounters did you really yes. okay so translate oh, uh, you're, you're just... comparing the the entire bottle to the beeps well, yeah, and, you know, the, the whole, like, your senior year of high school, when you've just got a certain amount of freedom, but you're still living at home, and you've got a car, and you like to break rules with it, and, uh, you know, just, just, just a little bit of adulthood, but you're still having a whole lot of fun, and there's a lot of rules. So it's all a good thing. Yeah, that's a very nice wine. I, I, I really like that wine. It was all a right. fun wine. All right, I got a wine in front of you. Yeah, you sure do. You want to give it a little sniff? It's white, by the way, right? It's white. We can agree on that? It's white. It's, I mean, I would call it more straw, but anyway, it also got a little tartar in it, too. 
Okay, so tell me what happens in the mind of Stephen McConnell. I mean, what's the process here? Well, first of all, I'm going to look at the color of it, and I'm, obviously it's white, but to me, white can mean a whole lot of things. And, and then I'm going to see the tartrates in it, and so I'm going to immediately kind of almost go to, ooh, it's not a huge winery that has really, really tight quality controls because they probably would have never allowed that to leave. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Absolutely nothing wrong. Tiny, tiny, tiny little crystals in the bottom of the glass. There's, there's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, uh, it can tell you a little bit about the wine. It's got a huge bouquet on it. It just explodes. It's all floral and, 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 and uh, like banana skins and wow, a little maybe wet cardboard, but not in a cork sort of way. Just a, just a really beautiful, nice floral and tropical. I, this is a this wine smells really, really so good. So when you say wet cardboard, you know, somebody who's not into wine as you and I might be, uh, might take that as a negative. But then, uh, you know, I can think of when I spill something on cardboard, it's kind of a cool smell. It's kind of like that, you know, fresh rain on the asphalt kind of smell. Petrichor. Yep, indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and you know, wine dorks, uh, serious sommiers will be like, you know, wet cardboard or wet paper, anything associated with that. They're immediately going to go to the corked card, which this wine is, is clearly not. And, and I used, you know, wet cardboard, wet paper in my reviews quite a bit. And, uh, Every once in a while, a psalm will say something like, oh, wow, was it corked? Well, no, just because I use that tasty note doesn't mean it's corked. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun note. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And this thing's really blossoming. It's been sitting here open for about 15, 20 minutes. So it's yeah, really yeah, opening up nicely and it's getting a nice, so many people drink their white wines way too cold. Far too cold. I, I like them just barely below room temperature. So we had an ice cold, just, just, you're making a really interesting point here. We had an ice cold chilled and I intentionally wanted to let it sit for about oh, 20 absolutely. minutes. Take the wine out of the fridge, let it sit for 10, 20 minutes. It's going to be perfect. You'll never get any of these aromatics out of it with, when it's at, when it's at, what is a fridge? 35, 38. It's like 40. putting a lock on the wine, right? Absolutely. Okay. So now what? Oh, I just can't stop smelling it. Yeah. You know, I, I, do I have to taste it? Yeah. He's wow. just looking at the glass right now, and he's contemplating. He's swirling stuff around in his mouth. I, this is where it might be to our advantage to be a television show. I love your expressions, and I never know what's going to come out after the expressions. So like they, they, they tell me nothing. It's really smoky, um, nice acid, fairly decent alcohol. I would say we're probably close to fourteen, maybe on that. Um, there's this now that I've tasted it. There's this huge toffee caramel turtle milk chocolate, not dark chocolate, milk chocolate thing. Which is a plus in my book. Oh my God. I don't like dark chocolate. It's, um, it's, uh, but it's really got a lot of acid in it. Really nice acid, really nice fruit. This is a, this is a fabulous wine. I don't know what it is. All right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this wine. This wine, go ahead and pull it out and take the, what paper I don't off. even have to guess. I, I don't, uh, no. Well, well, hey, okay. Let's do that for a second. Bridal. Ooh. Oh boy. I put you on the spot. Well, Look at that. You're, you're hesitant. And I, I'm, I had a Sauvignon Blanc last night that was so Chardonnay ish that it kind of <laughs> shell shocked me. Um, I don't know. Is this a Sancerre? No. Um, is it a Viognier? Yes. Okay. Um, and it's is it California? Yes. What do we got here? All right. He's pulling it. It's uh, I, I I did wrap it in uh, paper and taped it on. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Okay, but I have never. All right. I have never seen this. All right. So here's what's fun about this. Okay, it's called Marin, 
And Marin is the name of the winemaker. That's her first name. Guess what, Stephen? 24 years old, Cal Poly grad, growing her own grapes. They grew grapes before she started making wine. She started making wine before she could even legally drink it. In Monterey County. Yes, indeed. I love Monterey County. That place is so fascinating, so, so poorly understood. There's so many tiny little wonderful pockets up there. Piscinas and Lime Kiln and Shalom and, and Arroyo Seco. And of course, everybody knows Santa Lucia Highlands. But there's just so many tiny little postage stamps ap- appellations up there. This is 142 so I Boy, was you were so headed. close. Yeah. Oh, that's that's see that's way off for me. If I if I if I say something is close <laughs> By point to two? Uh, that, that, yeah. Okay, all uh, right. Uh, um so yeah, this is fun. This is a Viognier and it's straight Monterey County. Um But isn't it fun especially that it's a young woman went and studied winemaking at Cal Poly, which is one of the finest schools around. She was making hey, wine. Now, I'm a, a Davis guy. Huh? Well, I'm I know, but I know, but I know, but you know, <laughs> Local girl makes good. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what and, I'm and I assume pr- fairly small production. Yeah. Uh, does she make any reds? Yes, we've got several. Oh, and I'll let you taste them later. We won't be able to do that on the, on the show today. Marins. Marins. Yeah, and and Marin is her name. But I I think what was really interesting about what I just observed was you captured the character of the winemaker without knowing anything about her. You know, she's bright and floral. Everything that you described about this wine is her personality. This is a really stunning. Would you say twenty dollars, twenty five ducks? Yeah, it's super cheap. That's uh, that's that's a, that's a great vignette. Yeah. All right, we're talking to Stephen McConnell. He is boy, oh boy, I, I think one of the most interesting wine writers that you will ever encounter in my book right now. He's number one, and I'm not just saying that. He's number one in my book. I want to know who I bumped off in the number one spot. Uh, me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I I wish I could write as well as you do. But anyway, you you do your thing and I do mine. We're talking about the language of wine today on Grape Encounters Radio. So we're going to refill. I'm going to put a red in front of Stephen while you're listening to these important messages. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. We like to talk about wine. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at grapeencounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. 
Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street. The historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. It only takes a taste. It only takes a taste. When it's something special, it only takes a taste. When you know it's good. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. Enough to know you want more of the thing you just got a taste of. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. One of these days, I'm going to get up the courage to have Stephen McConnell describe me. Metaphors. <laughs> no, I don't think I want that, Stephen. Anyway, uh, Stephen McConnell with me today. He is truly one of the rising stars in wine blogging. You know what? If you really, really want brutal honesty about wine, actually, or food too, Stephen's the guy to go to. Stephen, where do I send people? Facebook? Is that the best way to find you? Facebook works. The blog is just SWAF, S-O-I-F, and it's gotten popular enough to where you can just type in SWAF blog or SWAF wine blog, and it'll be the first couple things that shows up, usually the first thing. Uh, there's that. There's always Instagram, too. I mean, I kind of do a micro blog of everything that I put on the blog on Instagram, and you can follow me there at underscore SWAF. How much time do you spend on social media a day? A ton. Well, yeah, they're, they're, I spend less and less time now that it just kind of self-generates. But yeah, back when I had a thousand followers, yeah, I spent a lot of time reaching out and, and networking with a lot of people. And then, you know, once it hits about 10,000, it just kind of <laughs> kind of does its whole self. So how many people are sharing your stuff? Is that a regular thing that happens, people sharing? And is that how you grow? Yeah, yeah. On Instagram, definitely people sharing, people tagging, people finding you. Um, it's, of course, it's always important, the judicial use of hashtags, but sharing as far as I think people do share bad reviews because it's really interesting to watch. I will write a review about a wine that I particularly do not like and you'll get up the next morning and it's got a thousand views and you wrote a perfectly good review the night before and it only got a hundred views so somebody's sharing something somewhere so I don't we know. migrate toward negativity no I, people do and it doesn't make sense because I wish they wouldn't I don't go out of my way looking for bad wines but every once in a while and a really embarrassing bottle will come across my desk and I will say what oftentimes are horrible things about it. And unfortunately, those reviews a lot of times were really popular. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the fact of the matter. You have a different program than I do in that I just don't do negative on the show at all. Because it, you know, to me, it's like I only have an hour to share thoughts with people. So I'm going to share positive things because that's what I can do. But I think you provide a very important service because when people walk into a wine shop or wherever they buy it, they are going to see stuff there and they're going to be attracted to it, maybe just, and you hate deceptive labels. The, the, I They're never, all deceptive. I for never the most read, part. and I never read back labels. And I tell people never read back labels. Don't ever read back labels. Don't read the back labels. Uh, there's so much 
stuff on back labels of wines that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in the bottle. They're written by publicists, by and large. And, and yeah, as far as mama's rule goes, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. I kind of throw that one out the window. It gets me in trouble now and then. But yeah, I, I see it as a bit of a public service. All these bottles are lined up on the shelf. They all look gorgeous. They all look beautiful. Which one are you going to buy? Well, that one there is not what it's cracked up to be. And it's a, you know, it might be a vapid, hollow shell. And uh, I, don't, I don't want people having that kind of experience. With that said, it's important to know your reviewer. Always want to know your reviewer so that you kind of are acclimated to their palate. That way, if your palate is completely different than your reviewer, you're going to conflict with them constantly. And well, you probably should find a different And, and this is a very important thing that I think people need to really wrap their arms around. When you find somebody that you're consistent with on a regular basis, hang on to them for dear life. Yes. You know, it's okay to have three, four, five, ten of those people. But if if you find yourself in disagreement with somebody more than a few times, dump them and, you know, stick with the people who have similar tastes to yours. And and same thing goes you for- You can count for, on them. The same thing goes for wine shop owners, David. There are wine shops here within 40 miles of where we're sitting where the owner will see me coming in and he'll recommend this bottle or he'll recommend that bottle. And after you get two or three bottles in, you realize that this person does not share your palate. When he tells me a wine is good or she, I know that I'm not going to like this wine. They, they don't know my palate and they don't like the same kind of wines I do. So it's, it's really So how important. consistent are you and I? So far, we've been pretty good. The last four or five bottles that I've got from you have been unbelievable. Just stunning. The Cardella, uh, the wait, Twisted Cedar. Oh, well, no let, let, let's stop at Cardella because this is kind of fun because Cardella, I, I just brought the wines in because I love them. They're now a sponsor of the show. because That's amazing. Because people like you have written so many things and have just spread the word about this completely unknown wine. And they are on fire right now. Here's something that you wrote, okay? Let's see. It's amazing wine. It's just stunning wine. Okay, so let's see. Here's what you wrote. You said, a stunning nose of dark floral, wilted lily, nutty, creamy oak, a tininess brighter than petrichor all wrapped in, soaked leather, salty, soiled, horse stall bedding, and vegetal minty uke, I assume eucalyptus, desperately in need of air, but obliterating everything in waves and waves of heady excitement. I like this. This is excellent bottle three or four in a steady line of recommendations carried at Grape Encounters Emporium run by the whirlwind that is David. Wilson of Grape Encounters Radio fame. That's you. Wow, whirlwind. I love it. And then here's where it gets even better. You said disgustingly concentrated layers and layers of down covered in velvet over a mattress stuffed with rocks. That's it. Translate. Oh, man. It's just, it, 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 it's one of those things where it comes off so pretty, so beautiful, and yet it has so much going on in the background. It doesn't let up for a second. That, that, that was, I, I mean, I can still taste the wine. That was two weeks ago. I can, I can still taste the wine. And, and, and you know, the, the, the mattress full of rocks, uh, you know, in, in first light, I suppose that isn't the most comfortable thing in the world, but it just had so much structure to it, so much beautiful tannins and a great acidity, just perfect balance. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's about good balance and and the the velvet beautiful lushness of the fruit just went really well with the bumpy road it was on you know it, it, it it's balanced all about balance well you know this is a wine that comes from an area that is pretty oppressive i mean in terms of the you know the weather there it's it's probably today uh, you know 190 degrees there today yeah, you know this is not a place you want to live if you're not fond of dealing with the elements you know, because they've got elements and spades there. But 
this description to me is not a princess in the pea description where that little pea is, you know, throwing off the princess's good night's sleep, but rather you've got this, you know, solid foundation of great big rocks, but then you put enough down and velvet on it to make it comfortable, but you still know that at the center of this is substance. It's, it has Do I have so that much right? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You got it. You got okay, it. Okay, so I get it. Yeah. You, get you know, it. one of the few. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> hey, yeah, and people say that all the time. Why don't you just say, this is a good wine? I was like, well, that's boring. Yeah, it is. Nobody wants that. Well, you know, this is the fun of wine. Why don't you just put a score on it? Put a number on it. That way we know to buy it or not. Have, yeah. have you seen uh, the movie Psalm Into the Bottle? No, I have not seen the number two one. I oh. have not seen that one. It just obliterates the first one. That's good. And the I'm... first one was great. But this one is, is so interesting. But it, there's a lot of dialogue about scores in this. Oh, and I how, look forward and to that. And how just meaningless that all is. Yes. And deceptive and misleading is the That's right That's a whole other really. radio show. Oh, we, oh, well, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> I, I put a wine in front of you. It's a red one. It's red. Yes, very, very red. I just... just Again, this is not a, I'm going to trick Stephen wine. I poured this wine for you for the same reason that if a friend came over and I wanted to share a wine, that's all I'm doing here. It's like, hey, here's a fun wine. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. Really, really, really purple. Staining, really staining. Um, hardly any edge to it at all. It just it just drifts out to a really nice ruby on the edge and has very little clear. So it's probably relatively young. I don't know. Um, is that Petite Syrah? No. No, it's not. Wow, how fun. Um, a little bit alcoholic again. It's got a, it's got a bit of... It's really concentrated, uh, really extracted. Somebody really extracted this pretty heavily now explain i know what extracted means but explain really quickly oh there's what a, you mean by that there's a myriad of ways of doing that and uh, you know you can cold soak stuff on their skins before fermentation for a week or so um it, or you can uh, have a really long primary maceration like 40 days or something it just means that more contact, more contact with, with the, skin. the skin before it was pressed. It allows things to, or, you know, there are ways around that too with enzymes. All right. So now I've, Steve McConnell is now lost in the wine. I don't even know if he knows we're, we're doing a show at this point because yeah. you're just drifting away. You're all over it. You're in it. If you could crawl in that glass right now, you would. It's, it's, this is a beautiful wine. I, I, Really nutty and more of that petrichor, really wet earth loam, but at the same time a big, you know, like an oil, like an oil tanker or something. It's got this big, almost petrol sort of concentration. All right, to we're it. gonna we're gonna have to go to break. So you want to give it a sip now, or you want to come back and talk about it? Oh, he sipped it. Too late. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a really nice one. Um, is that Cabernet? Yes. Is it straight Cabernet? Yes. Interesting. Is it Cabernet Sauvignon? Yes. Because I know you've got that ruby cab hiding in there. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're talking to Stephen McConnell. Gosh, Prestige Magazine in Singapore, which, by the way, big publication. They know their stuff. They know Stephen. Called him one of the five top bloggers on Instagram. And I can understand why. I know you've got all kinds of other titles, but I love that one because that one just came out. I love the way they describe you, and I love the way you describe wine. We'll be back with Grape Encounters. We've got a, a few minutes left, and I'm going to do a reveal on this wine when we return. This stuff is so dense. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. 
Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. For Grape Encounters listeners who also enjoy our podcast, you probably have noticed that it's not been available on iTunes for the past few weeks. That's because iTunes has adopted more stringent policies that made it necessary for us to make a significant number of changes to our podcast feed. These changes took a lot more time than we had hoped, but we are very pleased to tell you that the work has been completed and all 350-plus past episodes are there for you to download and enjoy. We hope that you'll take the time to subscribe to our podcast, but also want to remind you that if you ever miss an episode on this station, you can find it at the beginning of the following week at GrapeEncounters.com, the online home of Grape Encounters Radio. There you'll find links to our online store, photos of the folks we interview, links to our favorite content, and a lot more. Grape Encounters is much more than a radio show. It's a lifestyle purely for the love of wine. Visit us at GrapeEncounters.com. And now the man who once read about the evils of wine, so he gave up reading, David Wilson. Oh my gosh, I think this is the first time since I've done this show that I poured a wine for somebody and we went through the entire commercial break and he's still swirling it, sniffing it, studying it, baffled by it. In the studio with me today, Stephen McConnell, and you got to check him out. Probably best way to find Stephen is to go to grapeencounters.com because I respect his opinion immensely and I am from now on going to share it with you by having a link to Stephen's blog there. Hey, Stephen, I've never done that for anybody. That's Thank it. You. You're the very first. Thank you. You know, it's a great honor. Many have come, many have wanted to be there, but only you. I've arrived. You're, well, you're the only person who I could say, you know, I've never disagreed with you on something. You know, I, I can't say I've tried every wine that you've <laughs> done reviews on, but the ones that, you know, when you review them and you love it, I love it. So there you go. Why are you still fussing with this wine? Oh, because this is not a simple wine. This is this wine. I mean, first of all, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely impenetrable. There's, there's no, there's no light coming through it. And I only have about a quarter inch in this glass and, and it's, it's just so concentrated. You can see the solids in it. You know, it's probably really close to 15% alcohol. It's really concentrated. It's got this huge mint and eucalyptus in it. If that's Napa, it's either way up in the hills, Howell Mountain, Spring Mountain, Mount Veeder, maybe Sonoma Mountain. Now, I didn't tell you this was Napa, by the way. No, you didn't. What if I told you it was Idaho? No, Pocatello. No, I. I... No, it's not. It's not. But mm. I'm just saying. 
no, but, no, but, no. But, you, but, you, but your mind has has focused on Napa for a reason. Well, it's just... You want to do a reveal? No. No? You don't? Are you afraid? No. This is a fun one. Really concentrated. You know, if, if this is... Come on, is it Sonoma or Napa? What would you pay for this? Well, there's the rub. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of wine prices are based on a label, and the label is based on a pedigree. And if this comes from, you know, the lowlands of, say, Napa, for instance, is this where this? I'm just going to tell you, it does have a pedigree. Well, then this is probably um, eighty-five to a hundred-dollar bottle of wine. That would be that would be correct. Actually, what if I told you this wine was uh, mid seventies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That'd be worth diamond it. Diamond Mountain. No. Okay. Uh, ready for the reveal? Sure. All right. Go ahead. Here Rip it open. This. I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you take the paper off. You may not know immediately what this is. Look at the look at the front label. Caravan. Do you know what Caravan. it is? Caravan. You know who makes it this? It is Napa. Is this a second label for someone? Dariush. Oh, yes. And I am a huge fan of Dariush. It's, it actually says Dariush on it. And that's really rare for second labels because usually second labels are kept very separate from the original label. And a lot of times you have to do a little bit of skullduggery to figure out who makes a second label. I love second labels. I could list off hundreds of second labels from Napa alone that, you know, are down way cheaper than this one even. I mean, we're talking a lot of second labels are down in the 25 to $40 range, which is very comfortable for Napa right. and almost impossible to find anymore. And Dariush, uh, yes, I, I, I've, I've had, I have not had Dariush's cab for a long time. I love their Merlot. This is their second label. And what's the price point on this? Mm, seven, I think it's like $74. Well, you know, What's the price point on Dariush Cab these days? Uh, 125? $129. Yeah. So, I mean, something you know, like that. Saving, I mean, it depends where, it depends where you go. You're saving second labels are where all the, the, the all the bar. You know, I, I personally think there's not too much difference between this and the Dariush Cab. And, you know, there are those people who like to discuss vintages and, uh, especially in Napa. And the thing you have to remember whenever you get really dorky about vintages is, the worst vintage in Napa is still better than the best vintage in Bordeaux. But I think in quote-unquote bad vintages, a lot more quality wine goes into the second labels. In your opinion, why do the second labels exist? Why would they do it? The, the, the only reason I can think of is to appeal to a different price point. There are people who are completely and totally uncomfortable with spending $125. I'm uncomfortable with spending $125 for a bottle of wine. But $70? You know, we're starting to get warm in, in, in my comfortable price point. Of course, you know, of course, I'd love it if they were all 40 bucks, but that's just not going to happen anymore. But I, I think it, it has to be just to appeal to a larger range of consumer. Okay. So we only have a, a couple minutes left. Literally, we have like two minutes left. So I want to hear a little Stephen McConnell on the fly with this bottle of wine. With this bottle of wine? Yeah, with this bottle oh, of wine. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, hit it, baby. Well, like I said before, impenetrable, dark solid purple staining uh, so a lot of solids in it this is going to throw a big sediment even coming from a big winery like that uh, it stains the glass horribly close got to be really close to 15% alcohol uh, really concentrated big mint eucalyptus more of that burning rubber we could bring up from before a nice petrichor earth you know all the usual suspects but then you taste it and it's got these really great high notes the tannin probably is overpowering the fruit a lot at this point. And it's 2012, going back to Napa Vintages. 
You know, it's this wine will lay down a long time. It will lay down a long time. It also drinks really, really nicely right now. And I hate Young Cab, but unfortunately, we all have to drink Young Cab because otherwise, we don't ever have any idea what it's going to be like in 10 years. This is a nice wine. Okay. What's the personality of the wine? Compare this wine to somebody that we know. Somebody, or at that least, we uh, know. or just profile this wine. Oh, it's Mountain Man. It's got Mountain Man. It's all a Mountain over Man. It. It, this is this is this doesn't this doesn't strike me as Flatland Napa wine. This strikes me as as a Howell Mountain, Mount Veeder, uh, Diamond Mountain, Spring Mountain sort of hillside grape. It's got all kinds of crusty character. Uh, it's got a beard and it uh, wears flannel and it probably carries a gun. And uh, <laughs> are, are we talking shotgun or just a pistol? <laughs> Probably just a lever action, 30-30. Model 94, top ejection. You know, okay. Something simple. All right. And what do we pair it with? Oh. Um, bear? Maybe bear? Bear. Oh, bear loin blocks. Oh, my God. I love bear. This is a nice one. All I'm right. I'm going to look for this one. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. We're done. Absolutely. We're going to say goodbye now. This is the, goodbye now. This, this, <laughs> is a, this is a blast. This is a blast. Let's do this again. All right. Hey, okay. So for those who want to get in touch with you or at least read your blog and get into the world and the mind of Stephen McConnell, what do we do? Swaff. S-O-I-F. Swaff Wine Blog. All right. And if you uh, don't find it there, then just go to GrapeEncounters.com and you will find our dear friend. GrapeEncounters.com. That's it, huh? That's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. Hey, we will see you next week, same time. And uh, Stephen, we're going to do more of this. Perfect. All right. All right. And that's going to do it for Grape Encounters for this week. And uh, just remember, if you are uh, suffering from swath, can I say that? Is that the proper use of the word? Just swath. Yeah. Suffering from swath, just head over to GrapeEncounters.com. We'll see you next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. <laughs>